This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we are discussing exercise during pregnancy and accuracy and use of activity trackers in clinical setting. And we have a great guest for this episode. He has done his bachelor's degree in applied medical sciences in Saudi Arabia and his master in public health in US and PhD in public health and epidemiology in University of Copenhagen in Denmark. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our guest, Dr. Saud Alomaira. Welcome. Thank you so much, Oli. It's a, a great pleasure to be here. I mean, I'm really a fan uh, of your podcast. I really appreciate what you are doing and uh, um, enjoyed a lot of uh, good talk from ex- experienced people in the in the field of physical activity research. So it's be a great honor to be here today. Thank you. Great honor to have you as a guest. So if we if we start a little bit of your scientific journey, your background, could you tell us a little bit of that? Yeah. So uh, uh, thank you for the intro. So I have been traveled a lot to pursue my education. Uh, as you said, uh, I did my bachelor's degree back home in Saudi Arabia. Um, I was uh, educated and trained to be a dietitian in a hospital. But after I finished uh, the uh, one-year internship, uh, I decided to start uh, my career differently. Uh, I joined the Saudi Food and Drug Authority, Saudi FDA, and worked as a nutritionist uh, for eight-plus years, uh, during which uh, I did my uh, master in the U.S. in public health nutrition, uh, where I learned... uh, uh, public health principles, epidemiology, uh, biostatistics, uh, research method. And also my work experience with the Saudi Food and Drug Authority gave me a unique perspective about uh, uh, food regulation, food law, food safety, uh, and to ensure not only the safety of food, but also the nutrition component of the food uh, by um, applying or uh, implementing many health initiatives concerning uh, the public awareness of food labeling, um, modifying food labeling, uh, reduce uh, sugar and salt in, in the food. So a lot of things regarding regulations and law. But uh, but then I I, I come uh, in a in a point to acknowledge that food consumption is not easy to, really to measure. It's important to measure food consumption in order to make sure the safety and the health of the uh, of the food consumed in any society. And I was really amazed that uh, most of the nutrition guidelines or food regulation rely on um, uh, self-reporting measurement of uh, food consumption, which is not that bad. But I mean, uh, it's not giving us a big picture, but the majority of the measurement was relying on this type of measurements. Then I was really um, uh, wonder how other um, folks and other uh, uh, area of research is doing. And I come across the physical activity research and the, I saw people uh, utilizing device based measurements, uh, which was really amazed to read about and learn that uh, it, it's not only um, the accuracy or the validity of these uh, measurements, 
but how the change of understanding of the physical behavior uh, in all changed by the advancement of the measurement methods and how the advancement also in the measurement methods uh, change our understanding of the relation between these lifestyle factors and our health. Also, I come across the consumer activity tracker back then uh, with a lot of uh, speculation about how these Tracker might change the uh, how we practice medicine, how we uh, do uh, uh, medical interventions, how we measure um, uh, lifestyle factors. Yeah, and then uh, all these combined actually drove me to pursue my PhD. Uh, and since 2018, I find uh, a brilliant group uh, to work with. Uh, and uh, now I'm finishing my PhD. I hope I figure some of these questions as well. Yeah. So very, very interesting story from the Food and Drug Authority to studies and, and doing a PhD. And isn't it that food consumption is still very challenging to measure other than self-report? Is there any good, more objective tools? Yeah, so food consumption, um, it's not really easy to measure. It's a very complicated process. There is a lot of factors that affect what we eat and how we report these um, uh, important I would say, um, uh, lifestyle component. Because people usually um, have different food preferences. The, the method people made uh, or cook the food, it's uh, um, changed from individual to individual, from society to society. Uh, food can be affected, food consumption can be affected by psychological, social, economical factors. And the, the individual themselves Uh, it's tricky for them to really um, report what they eat because they have to rely on their memories and there is um, factors might affect their reporting, um, social uh, desirability, for example. Yeah, and uh, back then, I think the only method was available, actually, not the only method, but I mean the, the method that most of the researcher would rely on it uh, was um, um, self-reporting methods. There might be some objective methods come to uh, to the area right now. Uh, some will measure only energy expenditure, for example. There is some uh, advancement now in uh, nutrition biomarkers with uh, omic data and um, the advancement in the genomics. Uh, but uh, it's it's uh, it's very promising. Um, I haven't worked with it, but I I think it's it will change how we measure food consumption in the future. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And if we if we then move to your Fit Mum study, could you could you tell more about the the project? Yeah. So so as I said, I was uh, drawn by the curiosity about um, the measurements and other uh, lifestyle factor. Back then was nutrition only, but I was wonder about what uh, physical activity, sleep, sedentary time can impact our health. So I was looking um, for collaboration that fulfill my um, Uh, curiosity and uh, my interest. Um, I've been contacted many uh, research group, but then I decided to go to Denmark to Copenhagen University. Back then, the uh, my group, uh, Fitmap group, uh, almost uh, ready to start. So I joined them to uh, run a randomized control trial. Um, our aim was uh, to increase uh, physical activity in pregnant women in inactive uh, in healthy pregnant women. So. Uh, We want to increase the moderate vigorous physical activity by testing uh, uh, two, inter uh, two physical activity interventions um, uh, strategies. Because 
pregnant women as other population group uh, uh, they um, are um, they haven't i mean they haven't reached the the recommended amount of physical activity so it's really a high prevalence of physical inactivity in this population and here in denmark i think uh, it's 60% of the pregnant women population did not uh, meet the uh, physical activity recommendation by the danish health authority which is uh, 30 minutes uh, per day of uh, moderate intensity so back then we desi- we designed uh, a trial aiming to increase physical activity and also testing two t- t- different uh, physical activity intervention. Uh, it's a three-arm uh, trial. So uh, we have an exercise group. Basically, this group will offer uh, three times a week of uh, one hour moderate intensity uh, structured uh, exercise training, two times at the gym and one time in a swimming pool. Participant will be uh, will start the intervention very early in pregnancy and the intervention will run uh, until uh, delivery. So it's it's like six months in, in total. And then the second group, the second arm is uh, motivational counseling on uh, physical activity. Uh, this group will receive um, uh, SMS messages uh, tailored to the participant need and motivate them to increase their physical activity. And also they will receive uh, individual and group sessions led by a researcher, um, health professional researcher, um, try to uh, discuss with them the barriers uh, that limit them to be physically active and what's the tools and strategy to increase their physical activity. In this group, we utilize the activity tracker as an intervention tool. And then we have a third group, which is the control. They will receive no physical activity intervention, but they have to wear the activity tracker for uh, measurement purposes. Yeah, and our aim, our primary outcome is uh, moderate to, uh, to vigorous physical activity measured by the consumer activity tracker, which is a Garmin Vivo Sport. Yeah, so in- interesting, quite a long intervention, six six months basically, and and randomized control trial. So quite a bit of bit of work for you. How how many participants did you have in in each group? Yeah, uh, we have 220 participants. Uh, our aim to include 200. We recruited 220. We randomized 219 in a 2 to 1 ratio. So uh, 45 in the control group and 80 in each uh, uh, intervention groups. And then um, we have the trial run from 2018 until to 2021. So we have been also uh, witnessing COVID and the pandemic, during which we have to shift the um, intervention to online. So it was really um, something we haven't planned to do, but uh, it was interesting also to try the intervention delivered uh, online to the participant um, during the pandemic period. Yeah, so interesting study and, and some some challenges between there. Uh, do, do you already have the results of the study or preliminary ones? Yes, yes. Uh, um, the primary outcome paper published last year. So we compare um, the groups in terms of um, moderate to vigorous physical activity and other uh, physical activity outcomes. The main result was that the participant who offer, uh, offered exercise Structure exercise training uh, perform more uh, MVBA, moderate to vigorous physical activity, than the control group. And that was significant. But the uh, participant who received the motivational counseling did not uh, differ uh, when it's compared to the control group. 
And also the exercise group and the motivation counseling group did not differ. And when, when we shift the intervention to online, COVID-19 did not impact the um, primary outcome, the moderate to vigorous physical activity. So people who received uh, the um, online intervention did not differ from those who received the physical original setup of the intervention. Uh, all groups did not reach the recommended level uh, of physical activity. Uh, that's set by the uh, uh, authority here in Denmark. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, you had a significant difference, but in in the beginning, in normal population, you said that 60% does not meet 30 minutes per day, moderate vigorous uh, intensity activity. And did you say that after even the intervention group didn't have, have that or how was the percentage? Yes. So so the the recommendation is 30 minutes of moderate intensity. Uh, our aim is to increase moderate to vigorous physical in, uh, intensity. Uh, the the significant was that the exercise group reached twenty um, minutes more than the um, control group, but in in the unadjusted averages, there is I think it was fifty uh, minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity per week. So it's not even close to the recommendation. The recommendation is thirty minutes per day. Uh, although there is significant, but it's uh, it's uh, small uh, in terms of the effect. So the the effect was really small, but it was significant. And were, were you surprised that the online intervention was as good as physical? Mm, that's a good question because back then uh, there is and still uh, there is some ongoing um, online intervention and uh, some things it's uh, very promising in terms of uh, the visibility and also in terms of the um, uh, for the this type of population because uh, these participants has a, a social commitment uh, and sometimes offering them a flexible type of intervention. Uh, like a combination between physical attendance and online intervention will be uh, uh, really good in terms of adherence to the intervention. So, uh, and that's what we witnessed. So, what do we observe that the attendance in the online setup is higher than the physical uh, setup? Uh, so, during uh, COVID, um, of course, COVID is not normal uh, situation, and we cannot compare it to. To the real life, uh, people maybe in the in the in the pandemic was uh, bored and wants to be physically active due to the restrictions, and uh, they wants to meet and uh, and talk and uh, be physically active. But also, uh, we have a similar study confirmed this: a combination between physical and online intervention uh, would be visible and should be investigated more. As I said, for the uh, visibility and also flexibility for the participant. Yeah, and how how do you think the motivational group, the group number two, they didn't have a difference compared to the no intervention group? What what do you think are the reasons? Did you see a trend there? Do you think you didn't capture it with this participant group sizes, or or do you think it's it's not just effective? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I would say I will start with saying that our primary outcome measured by the activity tracker, and this activity tracker come with a lot of uh, pro and cons. Uh, one of the limitation of this tracker is that it's only capture moderate uh, uh, to vigorous physical activity when it's ten minutes or more. So the bouts of of the uh, I think this is also true for the accelerometer uh, devices. 
And maybe uh, I couldn't figure what's the reason, but maybe it's the uh, old recommendation that the moderate intensity has to be 10 minutes or more to be counted and effective in terms of health outcomes. And that's what the algorithm we believe uh, in this tracker also uh, implemented. So we miss, um, we assume that some of the moderate to vigorous physical activity is not captured. And uh, to answer your question, in the motivational counseling group, we encourage participants to be physically active in everyday life. So instead of um, like using public transportation, they can walk or use a bike to, to their work or their studies, for example, uh, to be um, um, physically active all day around and to utilize the tracker also to capture these uh, physical activity. But we think um, they are not restricted by uh, engaging in structure uh, exercise tra- uh, training. That's will, uh, what we see in this group because it's led by health professional. And we are sure during the session that these participants re- reach this moderate intensity because we supervise them during the session. So we make sure um, the the dose is um, uh, well delivered. But in the other group, uh, they are by their own. Of course, we they have the um, counseling sessions. They have the meetings individually and in groups. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's in everyday life. And they engage in different type of activity, not in moderate intensity, maybe, maybe in light activity, because most of the uh, participants reach very high amount of steps per day. The average was uh, above 7,000 steps per day, uh, which is quite a lot in in this type of population, and they keep it up uh, until delivery. So they are very physically active in terms of steps, uh, I would say. So maybe they haven't reached the moderate intensity, but there is other um, uh, spectrum of um, uh, or other intensity of physical activity that is not uh, meet the primary outcome or what we are aiming to measure. Uh, And that's really interesting also to investigate more. Yeah, I I think the tracker is maybe with the old recommendation, which said that it needs to be 10 minutes at least we counted. I think now the recommendation is that everything counts. And and if, if you think that, this was probably in Copenhagen that if you take a bus and then you, you walk from the bus to work or to studies, it might be less than 10 minutes. So it is not counting the going to the bus and then the next route there. So you might actually miss like even one trip to workplace. You might miss four parts of walking if, if all of them are. And also if, if they biking because they have to stop in a while for traffic light or for example or something like that. So it's really a very tricky uh, um, cut of of 10 minutes. Uh, we assume a lot of things is missing there. Uh, but in the session, it's a continuous exercise for uh, 60 minutes. So the chances that the tracker will capture moderate intensity is uh, uh, higher uh, in, the, in the exercise group. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show, it would be great help for us.
we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.